this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Trevon Edwards, joined by my co-host, Jason Madison. And we have a special guest today, DJ Dahi. What's going on, Dahi? What's up, fam? How y'all doing? Blessed, good, man. Good. Blessed, Bless, man. Blessed. Y'all blessed. Yeah, we want to welcome Grammy-winning producer, Inglewood native, and DJ, DJ Dahi. The first segment we got is called One or the Two. And basically, I ask you like a this or that question. It's a little rapid fire. We'll get okay. into it. All right, cool. Money trees or worse behavior? Money trees. Okay. Beat tape or compilation album? Beat tape. Okay. Loyalty or a lot? A lot. All right. Dilla or Kanye? Dilla. All right, quicker Dre. Dre. Monica <laughs> or Brandy? Brandy. Kirk Franklin or Yolanda Adams? Kirk Franklin. 
Uh, the Forum or Staples Center? Forum. Showtime Lakers or Shaq and Kobe Lakers? I'm going to say Shaq and Kobe because that's my that's my own glory, I'll say. All right. In the studio playing music or partying or uh, DJing at a party? Studio playing music. Fruity Loops or Ableton? Ableton all day. Impossible Burger or Vegan Wings? Vegan Wings? What, what the hell is that? It's usually cauliflower that they have, like, they put, like, buffalo sauce and deep fry and shit. Nah, that's, it's Impossible Burger. They both trash, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Impossible Burger. Trey's a vegan, so he kind of hates them. <laughs> okay, let me explain. I think, I think you mix, I just, I, what I realized about vegan food, like, when you try to make the fake thing, it's not going to be the thing. But I, the Impossible Burger is, is actually decent, but. The, the problem with Impossible, I don't even know what they put in it. Like, it's just, they say it's genetically hemp something. I don't know. <laughs> right, the it's, hemp burger. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something. I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to go with Impossible. Chess or checkers? Chess. Dirty South or East Coast? East Coast, East Coast, East Coast. Good AM? Or swimming? Uh, swimming. Pack Div or the cool kids? Pack Div, man. All day. All Hot day. Cheetos or plain Lays? Lays, man. I never was a Hot Cheeto person. Yeah. Shrimp or steak? Shrimp. All right. Valley or Hollywood? The Valley or Hollywood? Yeah. Those are my options? <laughs> yeah. They're both trash. <laughs> can, I, can I go with that? Yeah, you can say all that. All right, man. I'll I say, I'm going to say Hollywood. Just, just, yeah, that's the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Pharrell or Timberland? Wow. Uh... I gotta go with I gotta go with Pharrell, but I they both Timberland, we got the same birthday, so I got the same birthday. That's tight. I didn't know that. Yep, got the same birthday. So that's all right. Y'all both make them crazy ass beats too. It makes sense. <laughs> what birthday is that? When's y'all birthday? March tenth. March tenth. Okay, y'all y'all Pisces? Is that what it is? Yep, Pisces. Ain't Pharrell a Pisces too? He is? I, I think so. Know. I think he around there. I think he like in March or April. He around there somewhere. He might be. Yeah. yeah, but y'all niggas them crazy sounding shits that be banging though. I feel it. <laughs> in and out or fat burger? In and out. Okay. The last one, a perfect loop or a perfect baseline? Perfect. That's a really good one. Mm. And that's a tough one. I gotta say the perfect baseline. Yeah. Perfect baseline. Yeah. It's tough though. Like you're right. It's that's an impossible question. That's, yeah. a, that's that's the best question right there to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well that was the one of the two, man. Bye. All right, Dahi. Uh 
I heard that you're uh, OG Power Rangers fan. Shouts to Power Rangers, the original rollout, the first three original, seasons, 90, 93 to 96. You know, the real Gs yep. know what's up. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's what we used to do. I mean, especially if you're, you know, mid-80s kid, you know, you're around that age of like 10 through through 12. Yeah. Um, yep. And we would rush home from after school, come on, have the 3.30 slot, then VR Troopers would be right after that. Um, Incredible. Who was your favorite Power Ranger? I mean, I'm going to have to say it was probably the, the Red Ranger because I think, he, you know, he was a leader. You know what I'm saying? He, 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 ran, he ran things, had, his, had, his, had, had everybody in line, make sure they're doing their thing. Uh, I didn't like, it's funny when I look back on it, it's funny because it's like, it just felt so, race always has to be a part of everything you do in the record, so. It's just so funny. Was the Black Ranger was the was the dude who did hip hop keto? I remember that. Remember that? I yeah. don't know what that. Yeah. <laughs> know that what was... that is. And, yeah. And, and you had the Yellow Ranger. She was Asian, which is like crazy when That's you think crazy. about it. Uh, they had the nerd from Blue, which is what's his name Billy. Billy. And then, and then it was uh, Kimberly. Was the uh, was white? Was was the Pink Ranger? Yeah. Uh, Trini was then, yellow. Yes, 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 exactly. And then, yeah, the cat. I mean, the original five. You got I got. I got. I got to go with um, uh, the Red Ranger. What was his name again? Jason. 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 Yeah. Jason. Exactly. So yeah, I put it off of that. Exactly. Now, when you start to get into, you know, when Tommy came in, that's the whole. You know, what I'm saying when the Green Ranger came in, that's when it was like, okay, dang, I, I, I didn't expect this, and that kind of threw me off. But the original five. I gotta go. I gotta go with uh, Jason. See, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's color bias or not. Growing up in Compton, I just like red, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I roll with Jason until Tommy hit the scene, and then obviously Tommy did his little flex with his with his uh you know his little flute sword. I need dragons for power. I mean, have that man had a flute sword. <laughs> my, my hey, my man had the dun 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 yeah. dun. And then he was summoned, and it was going crazy. But like my man George, he used to live like not too far away from me. He went to my my uh, elementary school. His mom mm-hmm. had him had the whole little fit, and then he yeah. had the little he had he pushed the button to make the noise, and then he yeah. had the little mini uh the mini little action figures or whatnot. He had the the whole the big one, like oh the, he had all, he had it all dog like he was really spoiled right. So I think what was really crazy yeah. to me was I used to actually sell kids fake morphers. I would make them out of paper. And oh, then, wow. And draw it and then put the little part, and we would put quarters in there to be like the coin. That, you That's know, fire. To go in there, yeah. So I was doing that, bro, just showing my artistic skills, just trying to That's get crazy fire. with it. But then when the White Ranger hit, bro, that white would yeah. be gold. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, and he, he was so icy out there, like, Hey, it's like yeah. Deion Sanders out there fighting them putties, dog. He was yeah. so icy. <laughs> and then they used to be doing the whole little shit. I was outside animated doing like little, fl- I, I was, you know, I was an acrobatic cat. So I'll be right there on the stoop doing flips off of that. Yeah. And then I yeah. get hit. I'm out there, sit, sit, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. the, older, the older niggas in my hood was like, yo, this nigga's weird, bro. Like, he needs a hug. <laughs> but uh, I was tapped in all the way with them. It was a great time. It's real innocent. You know, like you actually was a, truly a kid around 
despite all the bullshit that was going on in the city. No, it's, it's funny because I was thinking about it. It's like it was because for me it was interesting because like I grew up, uh, I was born in '83, so like when my around when Power Rangers came out was like you said '93 to '96. Um, like I was, I always kind of figured out. Like I, I in my head, I was wondering like, what's the age where you supposed to start watching Power Rangers? Because that's when you know when you get into like middle school. It's starting, you know, niggas start to get, start to be like, why are you watching that shit? You know what I'm saying? Let's talk to these, these females over here. You know what I'm saying? So it'd be interesting. I, but I used to have to watch it too because I had all my little, I had I have a bunch of little brothers and sisters. So they would, you know, when they get home from school, we watching all all the cartoons. And so that was like all the, that was one of the shows that I just kind of like, oh, I love this stuff. But yeah, it's, it, it, it did like, it's funny how like the story changed. You got, you got that five and then literally, they start introducing more colors, and you just like, damn, like, like I kind of gotta, I might have to switch it up. And then it just, it just kind of, it became a wormhole. It almost became like wrestling, where you just kind of just kept putting into another storyline, and storyline, storyline. So you kept other people that you kind of favored, but the, the original five, like, it's almost like the people who started hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they, you can't, you can't, you can't speak a power without without speaking any of them. So. Um, and Zach was just, you know, as a black man, you just like you say you think it's important, but I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't rock with him, man. He was just, didn't get deal with him. and it was like he never really had the swag in the show either. Jason uh, had the swag, then Tommy came and took the swag, and then yeah, he's Tommy, like, Tommy flipped up and then turned from the green to the white ranger, and then got a new swag, and I'm like, damn, where's the love for the black kids? It, it was listen, it was no black people in the writer room. Just say that. You feel me? <laughs> No, no black people in the writers' room, but I will say I, I definitely jumped the bandwagon and went to VR Troopers once they rolled out. The niggas yeah. was hard too. They had they they had a little better get down for a little bit, especially when Power Rangers start going to space and start doing all that other shit. I was cool. Yeah, I was all set. I was all over the place though during those times. You remember? You remember? You remember? Uh, Beetleborgs? Yeah, Beetleborgs. Hard. Big hard. Beetleborgs. Uh, yeah, uh, uh. yeah they was they was they were just taking all the Japanese shows and just bringing it right over here, man. Right. That was amazing. Popping it out. Yeah, that was man. amazing. Shit was crazy. All right, man. We we, we dove deep into the Power Rangers, man. We're going to transition over to the Lakers, dog. How did you yes. become a Laker fan? Man, it's it's kind of been ever since I was born. Uh, my, my, my stepdad um, kind of really introduced me to basketball just in a sense of like, him uh, always having it on like, in the house room and watching it, and like he we would actually go out and you know kind of play in the little rec, rec leagues in like Inglewood and Hartthorne. And um, yeah, it was like I didn't. I, the funny thing about when you, you, you when you're a kid, you don't really realize how how close or far anything is. So for a while, like I, I lived in Inglewood and I moved I moved there in the in the uh, in the third grade, but I still lived in like I kind of. Um, move around the area from the South Bay there, but it's funny how far you you realize how close and far the Lakers played in LA. So, you know, growing up, it was like, oh, that's the that's the form, but that's that's where Magic Johnson and you know Kareem and stuff like that. And I was, you know, and this is like I kind of missed the era of the Showtime Lakers because around what 88, 80, 88 when they won that the Showtime that was the last championship they won, right? I believe, right. 88, 87, something like that. Yep. So my real golden era 
is the Eddie Jones, like, uh, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Axel, um, uh, Campbell, Cedric Sabalos, Sedell Three, like that, 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 from that 94, no, so like 90, pretty much 92, 91, 93 to like basically like to 2000 before the Lakers moved to Stapleton. That was kind of like my favorite, my real favorite time with the Lakers because I remember when we, when we, when we drafted um, Nick Van Axel. And it was just like a, we lost Magic, you know what I'm saying? Magic was our point guard, but then Nick kind of came in and was just like a, a totally different style of a point guard was a scoring kind of point guard, but to still dish the ball, get everybody involved. And like, I just kind of fell in love with me. Like he was just like, Oh wow. This dude is just a, a cool, uh, a cool version that I can see myself kind of playing like whatever. Um, and yeah, throughout middle school, high school, you know, I went to Morningside high school. I went to Monroe middle school and that was just my team. You know what I'm saying? It was literally down the block. I, I think I probably went to, um, I didn't go to that many games. Uh, just because, you know, I, I don't know why, but I probably, my mom couldn't afford the tickets or something like that. We didn't, you know, in that era. but we used to have, we used to have prime ticket. That was our, that was our, uh, channel to watch the Lakers on. And that was just our, you know, that was just it, man. Like they, that was my real introduction to basketball because we, we just had a young, vibrant team. <laughs> and, uh, it's just interesting to see how it kind of changed because I originally, I still kind of think if, if Nick, Eddie, Shaq and Kobe kind of all stay on the same team together, like really stay together for a while and just have the right coaching. We could have re- really, really could have ran it up a lot sure. alone to me. I feel like the Lakers always had good guards. And like the thing that used to piss me off about them teams, bro, was Eldon Campbell and Vladdy <laughs> Deep. Bro, like, <laughs> as a Laker fan, them two niggas, dog, used to piss me off with more than anybody. And when we finally got Shaq, I was like, oh, my God. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. what? We got a big man, the best ever, Shaq? For sure. Yeah. We like, yeah, we about to run it up. But then they traded everybody else away. I'm like, what? And, like, you know what I'm saying? Niggas signed contracts to do what they did. I was just like, wow, I thought we could have did it with that squad. But, you know, obviously, it ended up being for the best. But... You know, it's that's a great like question. Like, man, what could we have done with those, like you said, Nick and Kobe and all them? Well, I was gonna say I was gonna be the I was gonna be the fun police, man. Kobe Bryant doesn't become Kobe Bryant without Eddie Jones out of the picture. That's 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 what really happens. I totally agree. And then also, and then also, Kobe Bryant started as a point guard, and that's why. Yeah, you're. And and they didn't really like kind of use him for his strengths until he finally started coming off the bench the second year when that's, he averaged that's, 18. Yeah. That's Dale Harris, man. Dale yeah, Harris. but but that's what I'm saying. You just the coaching wasn't right, the development wasn't right. You you know, my favorite Laker, you know, I mean, I'm anti-Laker though. I I grew up a Bulls fan because all my family was Lakers fans. But yeah. um my favorite Laker of all time is Nick Van Axel, you know. Mm, he yeah. just had all the swag and I also was a point guard in college and high school. And I used to just watch a bunch of his tapes. You know, he can get jiggy. And, you know, he'd cross you up, throw a dime. He had the three slashes in his eyebrow trying to wall out. Yeah. Like, it was yep. just a lot. It was a lot going on during that time. And I thought he was the coolest. I really didn't fuck with Kobe like that because I thought he was trying to be like Jordan so much. And I really couldn't accept that yeah. until he had 81. You feel me? Where I was like, all right, bro, I respect <laughs> you. You good. Um, you know. It ain't but, took you that long, huh? 
Yeah, no, I did, bro. When I was actually a fan, you know what I'm saying? Like, I work in sports media now, and it's hard for me to, like, I don't have a team no more. So, like, everybody's like, oh, you're hating on this team. I'm like, no, I got to talk nice about everybody if they actually hooping. Like, my feelings yeah. are removed, you know? But back then, like, yeah, I was I was a diehard Bulls fan. I used to even just tell people, like, my entire high school years, the Lakers was having parades every year. From yeah. 2000 to 2003, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Oh, I, you know, it ain't no need to watch it. These fools winning all the time, you know, like, so I started rooting for the Clippers because they was just cool, you know, they would do the, you know, the, the, the head Darius tap. Yeah. So, so I was just rolling, and they were also more accessible. They were younger dudes, so like they would actually come to our games when I was at Dominguez. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it was it was it was a cool experience, man, for those worlds to meet, and now I'm cool with Q and and, and those guys, so it's it's been great. Um, Let me ask you a question. What's up? In, in regards to that, because like I think, would you say like that that team is kind of similar to the situation with like had that OKC had when you had like KD, absolutely, Russell, absolutely, and hard like that too much kind of talent. Guys don't become guys play. if they don't move. You know, you can always say yeah. the what ifs, and obviously kids are who kids now that are old enough to understand. They're seeing James Harden in the OKC jersey, and they're like thinking it's a meme. Like, you know, yeah. with them, and it's just like, no, James doesn't be James. Like, James enjoyed playing with the bros, but he wasn't going to be six-man forever. He wasn't going to be a defender forever. Like, yeah. he had to become who he was, and, you know, they made the choice. They knew they were going to have to pay him, and he wasn't going to take a discount, you know what I'm saying? But Presti yeah. made the best move for him, and, you know, it worked out for every party, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to watch them, especially during that time. Yeah. I was, You said what? Except for the Thunder. It worked out for everybody except for the Thunder. Oh, I That's mean, true. I mean, long-term-wise, long they built up a franchise. They could have folded. So, you know what I mean? Like, they had a good, good, good run, and they made it to the finals. But, like, yeah. watching James' development from playing in the Drew and all that other stuff and transitioning, I remember just saying, like, I don't know if he's ready to have his own team. And he had 40 his first night against Detroit. And I had to shut up. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like, those, those are interesting things to see. But, yeah, it's cool, man. But that's crazy that you brought up those early Lakers teams, because I always used to get teased. I'm, I'm obviously I'm dark skinned and I used to wear um, a ball fade. And yeah. Everybody would call me Sadell Three. Shouts to Sadell Three though. And so yeah. you know those teams of Sadell Three, George Lynch, Anthony Peeler, you know, oh, Derek Harper. You know, like it's just random cats that just got a chance to put on a purple and go. Obviously after Post Magic. So you, the fact to say that you were like rooting for them, I respect that. That's like being a Knicks fan in L.A. You feel me? Like rooting for that Laker team because they were kind of like not the laughing stock, but they were like castaways. You feel yes. me? Like they were just kind of just making a name for themselves. You remember Tony Smith? Was that his yeah, shout out to Tony Smith? Smith. Yep, shout out to Tony Damn. Smith. Number thirty four. <laughs> Number thirty four, bro. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, dog. But it was good. That was a good time good. though, man. That's like a genuine time because like you can tell LA was really just gonna rock with them regardless. You feel me? Yeah. I. Like if that was a that was a prime time to actually say like yo I'm a Laker fan because people are gonna respect it and you might still have to put up a fight for that like now yeah it's too Hollywood like I like it I would only like I can privately root for the Lakers because I don't live there no more so I'd be like okay the city you feel me <laughs> but it'd be still hard because I'd be like okay I want to say the city but they got LeBron so it's not really like. It don't make it seem like an underdog feel. I like underdog teams. That's just like, yeah. like out here in Phoenix, I'm in Phoenix right now, seeing what the the Suns are doing in the bubble, it's just like, 
Yeah, yeah, like they ain't, you know, obviously people know who Devin Booker is, but y'all y'all ain't got to see these other guys. So yeah. it's it's cool. It's a cool experience, man. So um shout out to the Suns and the Lakers. Uh, I ain't gonna spend too much time on that. We're gonna transition into <laughs> Captain Crunch, one of the greatest top tier serials of all time. Tell me about it. What's your relationship with Captain Crunch? Man, that's a that's probably like my first serial that I just like felt like crap. You know what I'm saying? Like first with the berries, not just not just the peanut butter. Crunch berries, not just Okay, that. let me let me stop you. Let me stop you and see where you stopped at. Cause you you two years older than me, but I wanna see where you peeped at and said, nah, I'm cool. So we gonna go off. You and Jason. So y'all can yeah. say cool. Or nah, Captain Crunch regular. Nah, nah. I'm cool with that. Um, <laughs> Captain Crunch berries. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. I'm cool. Okay. Oops, all berries. Yeah, yeah. I'm rolling. I'm rolling yeah. with those. Yeah. Yeah. Peanut yeah. butter yeah. crunch. Never rocked with it. So I never crunch. really got with it until like I got to college and I was like, you know, what, let me try these. It was actually fire, but I got thirsty. I got really ghetto and used chocolate milk. Shit was my amazing. Oh right? wow! Yeah, I just was. I I just thought I was being cool, you know, Reese's Pieces type. Turn out. I don't know. I would never do it now because I'm just on a different hype. I'm almond milk, banana milk, all yeah, that shit now. Yeah. So it's a little yeah. different. Like you know, this like you said, it's really crack. If I eat that, I got Travis Scott's Reese's Puffs running around here. Some. I don't know if I could. It's just too yeah. much. I get jittery. And then lastly, I don't even know if we even knew this even existed, but Cotton Candy Crunch. I've never had that. I don't never. think I want to experience that, though. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That's crazy. It's, see, the problem is, funny, like, I literally, I was talking to my, my, my I was talking to my, I, I got my trainer my workout with, and we had this long conversation about breakfast and how, like, a lot of the stuff we ate, man, was just like, it just wasn't good for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no... There's no this whole balanced breakfast thing they used to put in the commercials was just straight bullshit. Like it was just like like none of this stuff is I mean, as a kid, this is like it is like like this this makes your life like incredible. You know what I'm saying? Like to eat this cereal and it starts your day out, you just like, man, like school's gonna be great. I got this got these crunch berries, like I'm good, you know. But the cotton candy, like that's crazy. Yeah. For breakfast? Right. Yeah, I, like, I bro, I was put on cocoa puffs for a couple of years and I like go think about that. I'm like, bro, I was eating chocolate and just sugar and milk and whole milk. And every whole milk. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's really cocoa mix. It ain't yeah. even a real chocolate joint. They didn't pour the, the, the Hershey shit in there and, 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 and really, and really don't mix something up and just trying to make it work. You feel me? Like did y'all, did y'all grow up drinking like a whole glass of milk too at all? Yeah. With my cookies like a- though, for sure. Oh, I, was, okay. I had some fat cookies, dog, and just be. Hey, I would dip my. I, it would get to like this point of my fingers into it, and it'll get soggy, and then I'll eat it. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I was thirsty, dog, and I remember like even making my cereal. Like I seen Friday right for the first time. This is '95. I want to say, yeah. yeah. So I'm sitting there, and Craig go get that big ass cake bowl. Yeah. My nigga, I almost got my ass beat by my grandma. I went and got the cake bowl, <laughs> poured the entire box in there, bro. And, and really did I didn't run out of cereal. I didn't run out of milk, but the milk stopped at like the halfway point. So I had to do like dry and then milk. You know what I mean? Like it was such a thirsty combo. Box? 
Yeah, I ate the whole box. I, used to, I man, I used to do that shit all the time as a kid. I'm surprised I didn't get the get the beaties, but you feel me? Uh, <laughs> but I was doing I was doing a bunch of shit. Like I remember the little homies used to come through and they was like, "Yo, this nigga Trey is the coolest nigga. He eating cereal all he want." Like, he doing whatever, he, you know, I feel like DMX. Like, nigga, I'm smoking weed. I'm driving. <laughs> nigga, you know what I mean? Like, I'm getting to that point, like, really being excited and shit. But, yeah, just, you know, just chilling, eating a fired up a bowl of cereal. That used to be my stuff. Now I can't do it at all. Nah, I can't do it at all, bro. So, at my, my question for you and Jason, my question for you and Jason is, if you was to make a Captain Crunch flavor, what would your flavor be? I'm going to start with Jason. Flavor. Mm. So it's Captain Crunch line. What would that yeah. line be? That line, it would be like probably like Captain Crunch. With I don't know. I've been you know what? I've been messing with the dragon fruit at Starbucks. I'd probably come with that dragon fruit flavor. That's Y'all mess with like that's that's kind of kinky right there, dog. Yeah, yeah. That's kinky for the cereal. I don't even know how that's even going to taste. They got berries. I would already go, you know, berries would be the obvious one. Strawberry and uh, blueberry and whatever, any other berries. You feel me? Kiwi, maybe. Maybe a little kiwi, strawberry, Captain Crunch. Something, you know what I'm saying? Something flavorful. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know how I really feel about those flavors with milk. That's a lot. <laughs> got, Dahi, got, what you got? How, how can I improve it? I no, I'm trying to understand, but it, it reminds me of like those acai bowls where you got like, yeah. you know what I mean? And now you're mixing kiwi and real fruit. Sometimes that shit really doesn't mesh well, but I get it, Jason. You know, maybe <laughs> we'll do a poll and see if people actually want to fuck with that. But are you saying, well, let me get Are you saying the actual fruit or the if they did a, a like a, a a dragon fruit kind of cereal? A dragon fruit, yeah, like flavor, like, like okay. Flavor, you know, flavor is always it's subjective. You know what I'm saying? Because they, yeah. you know, when we put raspberry flavor, it don't taste like actual raspberry. They be it's right. like some sugar raspberry. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, I would probably right now the first thing that popped in my head was probably like Captain Crunch mango. Like to me, that that sounds kind of crazy. Like yeah. mango flavored mango yeah. cereal um, with some milk. Oh, that 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 sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would. I'm. You know. I'm like caramel, something like that. Some caramel, caramel, caramel. Which one? I don't know, man. You know, that's a black thing, dog. You got some people that say caramel, caramel, all that stuff. I don't know. I really never got to the bottom of that. I mean, I know. I know we from LA, so we like hold our R's and everything, kind of, kind of long. But uh, mm mm-hmm. Shaq and Percy here for a new Nestle Crunch with Caramel. It's Caramel. It's Caramel. Caramel. Can you spell? I, I just don't. I, I mean, I like that or some cinnamon. But I seen on Google while I was looking this up, they actually did drop a cinnamon Captain Crunch. Um, mm. But the box was really off deck. So they was really trying some shit at the time. Um, yeah. So I, that's, that's really oh, interesting. Last, this would be kind of crazy if you did... Captain Crunch Snickers. Snickers. Woo! That might go. That might that I might, might be solid, bro. Might crazy. I'm really thinking about that, but that's that's just like again, I feel like my fucking teeth is gonna fall out. Like no, no, it, this is all death. This is all not mm-hmm. good for the dream scenario. That you know, 
it might be something, man. That might be something. Yeah. Hey, maybe somebody's listening and reaches out and says, hey, I work for a cereal bar company and we want to do a collab. That would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> by now, I probably would have the lamest cereal just because, you know, my shit dumbed down. We have to mix it with almond milk in my shit, my cereal bar. <laughs> some some ill, you know. All right. How did you get into producing? Man, um, pretty, I pretty much started producing uh, kind of around when I was in college, learning how to make beats because my, my first year of college, I um, my, one of my friends, Mickey, I always give her credit. She kind of really put me on to like producer, kind of hip hop influence producer stuff because like growing up, I didn't really listen. I didn't really listen to a lot of hip hop in high school. I didn't listen to a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, I've always played music. I've always been in music. I've always been in concert band, uh, jazz band, all that stuff. And then um, like classical, like that's the stuff I kind of grew up like. Oh, I love this type of music and shit. But when I got to college, you know, I would when I listened to hip hop in high school, like it would just be like what the homies was playing or what was going on there. Like I didn't really have it in the house like my mom was not letting that be played because she was like no nah, he's bible bible rule loving uh fear fear loving god all that stuff was just like our our, our thing so we didn't i didn't couldn't play in the house so um high school, college was when i got introduced to like a lot of different type of hip-hop and um jay dilla was the first producer that i looked at was like yo like who is this dude like this all his stuff is incredible and really looked at what his, you know, all the different projects and stuff he's been a part of. That's when I really became a fan. Like, yo, know, I just love his beats, tapes, and I just, you know, put out his own rap album and stuff like that. And, and then I just kind of, you know, and then from there, literally, bro, I just started to just, you know, I had I had my little compact computer, and I started to just, um, thank you. I started to just uh, literally, per, like, just try making beats, you know. Like, I had, I had my little... I think my first program was Acid Pro, um, and, and, and and the funny thing is, and actually, I started DJing first. Let me, I forgot to do So DJing was my first thing I started doing before anything like this. Um, you know, I think the first record I bought was like Common Sun God by High Tech. That was High Tech album. I put that on, and I was just my first thing I record that I bought, and I literally just practice every day of trying to mix that, mix those records. So. DJing was the first thing I started to do, and then gradually, as I got to to listen to the records and kind of figure out who did what, that's when I discovered Dilla. And then literally from there, bro, just started just, you know, find different paths and trying to really see if I can actually make a living off this, you know, so. Okay. Um, do you feel like the type of music you make represents who you are as a person? Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I think what I, at least in my production style, like I always try to try to have just a hint of thought-provoking music. You know what I'm saying? Like something that makes you think about life in a certain way, not just dance, 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 or move, move, move. Or the thing I got certain certain sounds I pick, certain emotions I like in the music, certain chords I like to play, certain things I like to sample, they all kind of have a hint of who I am and what I, you know, what I love about music or what kind of triggers me to like the things that I am drawn to. So 
I, I, and I, I think in a lot of ways that makes me a little bit different from other people because I just don't really care about trying to make the big, big, big hit record. I'm more like, yo, how does it, how am I feeling right now? How is this thing making me, making me, you know, feel emotionally and where do I want to go and where I think music can head, head to. So that's just my own personal um, thought process to make it. Man, you know, it was such a weird. It was it was obviously a blessing. Um, wait, wait, aren't let's let's get this straight. Aren't you a multi Grammy Award winning producer at this point? Well, it's, I only have one trophy, but I've won, I've won. I've been a part of three projects and did a song that that won award. But the way the Grammy is set up for producers, you don't, it's very hard to get a Grammy. It's very hard because you have to be like basically on song of the year or you get song that's in a certain category. Um, it's very, it's very hard to get a Grammy if you are on an album necessarily, unless it's like the number one, the, the, the top album. That but did you win the Grammy for song of the year and rap song of the year? No, no, no. I won a Grammy for rap song of the year. And for I won. A lot, right? What'd you say? A lot. Right. Yeah, yeah. And but then he won. Loyalty won a uh, rap uh, song performance. I think that's what it was. Uh, yeah. Now, technically, I probably, if I was credited as an actual feature on the song, I probably would have got one, but it's it's all good. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, for me, it is, it's obviously a, a great honor and a blessing to, to be a part of history in that way of just, you know, song that, that had an impact. Um, I used to really care about it just in my own act like having accolades and just having this 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 marker of a of a song. But I think you I think now more than ever I just care about the impact culturally on rec on the records I make. Like what is it really doing for the people um, and how it how it's affecting everybody's lives and hopefully it's in a positive way. So for me, it's it's just like um, I, I take it. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it, but it's definitely not like my biggest goal in mind. You know, to just to get it, to get it, get more. So, okay. But I think. What was your most memorable studio session? Most memorable studio session. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, funny thing is, J Jason knows a lot of my early days when I was like starting to get in production. Like, um, you know, I, I one of the one of the ones I will say I remember is when uh, I went to Dom Dom Kennedy, which is his cousin, uh, and we like. I got. I remember I got Dom's number from from uh, Light. I think from Pac Div, and we went over there. I just went to the studio and like, I don't know how we made my type of party, but I. I mean, I remember how we made it, but I remember. I don't remember if it was our first session we linked up, but it was something like super early when we first linked, and you know, for that record, the first session I had where like I, I saw the artist like like right hook there. Do the verse, 
it was kind of amazing because he was like, you kind of like don't know a song is made in a sense of like being in a room with a writer and like it kind of come out. And so I remember that first session with Dom, we just was kind of chilling, you know, kind of catching the vibe. If you ever been in Dom Studio, it's like super dark. You don't have no basically no lights in there. It's fucking, you know, neon purple haze. Yeah, just neon lights. Just <laughs> that neon light. thing. He yeah. had like incense and shit. Yeah, so Dom Studio, he literally neon lights, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, Kama Sutra poster on the on the wall, like you know, just like '70s vibe type of type of shit in there. Uh, and yeah, it was just cool, man. It was me and him, and he kind of just started. I played the beat, and he was like, "Oh," he just started mumbling words, and he was like, "Yo," and he started to say, started to say the hook of the song, and start saying his lines. And I was like, "Yo, this is kind of hard. This is kind of crazy." And then, um, yeah, he actually told me the story about how he came up with a hook for that. I guess he said, like, he remembered a part on some, like, Jay-Z, like, he remembered a line. He was at a party with, at Rich Hill's house, and he remembered the line and was like, oh, I'm going to save that. They was, you know, hanging out with some chicks or whatever, and he was like, yeah. I'm going to save that. And then, because he ended up telling me this later, because we went on tour, and, you know, he would perform a song every night when, you know, right before the Yellow album came out. And, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so it's crazy, too, to me that, you know, I spent so much time around him recording like almost all of his music up until that point or prior to the Yellow album. And I spent so much time around you just watching you make beats, hanging out, you know what I'm saying, playing yeah. you just hanging out with Pac. And then like y'all end up linking up and having this whole session. And I didn't even hear, you know what I'm saying, none of it until like a couple weeks later. And he played me my type of party. And I was like, who did this beat? And I already knew it was you from the way it sounded, just how like, yeah. you know, I was like, is this Dahi? And he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we linked up. And I was like, nigga, this is the, some of the best shit you ever fucking did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, and that's what I'm saying. That that era, to me, that that era in music from that, you know, 2000 and, what was that, 2000 and, what, bro, 12, what was it? 12? Yeah, 2011. 2011. For me, man, I was like, that's, that was like my, my school, man. Like, just working with, all the all basically all the artists in that that time that was like kind of buzzing in LA and you know to have basically when that record came out that was my first radio record that was my first record when it dropped like it was kind of like impactful like it was like people were like yo who did this or what was that or what was going on and like and at the time it was funny I was working at my for my 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 job my regular nine to five I was working at a the school in uh, Marymount, uh, Marymount College in uh, San Pedro. And I remember, like, you know, in, in my students that I used to work with, they always knew I made beats, but, like, I remember driving on the bus and we were going to some field trip or something, like, and then, like, the song came on the radio, and I was like, it was just a, it was such a weird time, because they was like, oh, Dahi, you, Decor, you did that beat. I was like, yeah, yeah, I did the beat. And they were like, yo, this, and it was just like, oh, shit, like, now I got something that people know what I'm doing, but, it, it was just a to me that was just a dope moment because I got to see the song come together from beginning to end and you know especially at the time where you you kind of don't know if you can make it as a producer or you don't really know like if it's like something financially that you could do right that session was like kind of like a solidified like oh wow like this is really like a real thing and I just always had that moment because it was just like 
just seeing how that song came together felt like a dream. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, kind of hardy hardy head. You know what I'm saying? And the beat just fit perfect. And then from there, it kind of had a life of its own. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, this uh, This question actually comes from Danny Williams. So shout out to him. He wanted to say what up. What up, Danny? <laughs> he said, what did you learn and experience in the early days from Swift D and being around Pac-Div? Man, I learned everything, bro. Like, Swift, Swift is like, Swift don't know it, man, but Swift is like probably like the one of the most influential producers to me in like my career and like what I was trying to do and what I was built on. Um, just because, you know, he, you know, just seeing his work ethic, just seeing his, his, his style of production, just seeing his versatility, just seeing his um, kind of demeanor of kind of like going through the process of, of working with an artist who just got assigned to a label. Uh, you know, they're kind of going through the process of like putting out songs to, you know, that, you know, is supposed to kind of, you know, build a, a, a sense of like a connection to like a bigger project. Um, but just seeing him was like, man, it was, it's incredible. And like, and I always, and it was, he was always open, man. He never was like, yo, get away. Like, he, this right. is my space. He was always like, yo, man, like, let's cook up, let's do some stuff. Um, and then like with, with, uh, with the guys, um, you know, I always have a special heart, a special place in my heart for them, man. Cause like, uh, uh you know, it's funny. It, it, it is interesting too, because like, especially for like, uh, like in Mibs, um, like we, it's funny how like we, we all grew up together in the same space, but they, in, around high school, middle school, everybody left, but we all lived in, were from Inglewood. Like I went to Monroe Middle School. He went, I think they went to Parent and like we used to play each other at, in our little, uh, uh, middle school games. And like, I remember Tyra Banks' dad was like the, the referee. And like we used to, I was like, it was just, you know, just little notes and things. Be like, oh dang, we we kind of played each other in, in middle school, yeah. in high school. They 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 went up to, obviously in, uh, up towards Palmdale and then um, moved back around, you know, afterwards. But it's just it. dope. yeah, exactly. But it was just dope, man. And I, and I and for me, I came back to LA because I was I went to Santa Cruz for college and then lived in the Bay for a couple of years and I came back, you know, in like 2000 and um, 2008, 2000. Yeah, 2008, 2009. Yeah, that's and, what we meant, like 2008, 2009. Yep, exactly. So, um, so there, man. Yeah, it just it was just dope, man. And like, and I and I, and I just learned everything from just like working with like a lot and on production and, and me and him built like a really dope relationship with just like what how to work with an artist and what they're looking and how to build specific song for them and like it just made me it just made me better at just looking at the the overall theme of like what what are you trying to make what is this project going to be and what does it mean and like how is it going to connect and you have to be very precise with that and i always have great you know admiration for like what they allow me to kind of be around so yeah no i think you had a good like just group of teachers around you you know like yeah. swift swift is a producer's producer man like anybody can learn something from swift he's just you know, amazing in so many different ways. And then to have Mibs, you know what I'm saying, be a the charismatic type of frontman rapper and him having his wide knowledge base of, you know, 
like just hip hop and rap and music and shit because he takes so many you know influences from other places and then like having that balance you know of producing and rapping is just you know a great you know place for you to have learned all your information it's like you know the key, the key thing too is like I, I always say it's it's just crazy to be around like witty people like very witty people because rappers i think are witty like they just yeah. they know how to like like bounce things off and reflect it and like reimagine it and put it in place and so with music and, and kind of being around that people like you you kind of always are in a creative state like you don't really you can take things that are thrown at you or a situation or thing and make something out of nothing basically and um i think that kind of creates the best music because you just you're you're in the moment you know and i think that's such a key thing i learned like just being in the moment and knowing how to just you know let it go and not feel like you can't come up with something you know yep um, let me ask you this. What's your best childhood memory? Best childhood memory? Um, that's an amazing question. Uh, um, man, it would probably be... Um, uh, man, that's interesting. You know, something like I thinking back to it, I, I I was thinking about funny when I was playing baseball, man, and like um, being in, being like the little league and stuff, and like Saturday, like Saturdays was such a huge thing as a kid. You know, what I'm saying like that was like your day to go do whatever rec rings for from Saturday, and oh, sorry, to either playing basketball or baseball, and that was kind of like my two sports I played, um, and. You know, it's funny, man, like, and I think back on it, like, I and I always appreciate my dad, my stepdad, and my dad, like, even though I wasn't the best player on the team, like, they gave me so much confidence, you know what I'm saying? Like, they gave me, like, a lot of confidence in, like, me going out and playing. And, like, you know, I just remember those moments in, in being on the team and, like, working, like, being a part of, like, you know, just kids playing and trying to be organized and figure things out and, like, just having the support of like your parents at these games and you kind of it just does something to you you know what i'm saying like it just does something where it kind of like makes you uh feel like you can kind of get through things better in life and kind of know what know what to do uh because you because you've been in a situation where you had to react you know what i'm saying and so i just when you said the best memory like those are like some of the best memories i can think of just like playing on those Saturdays of either basketball or, or, or Little League and, like, yeah, just, like, trying to figure it out, man. Like, you know, kids on the team and you just, like, I don't know how we're going to win this game, but, you know, we're going to get it done. And, then, you know, you just, you have to – you're just working with other people. So I, that's that's the first thing that really popped in my head. I was like, man, I really enjoyed that as a kid. Yeah. All right. So, like we always do at this time, uh, we have a question that we ask all our guests. And our question is – what advice would you give 18-year-old Dahi? Man, 18-year-old. Uh, <laughs> I'd say, man, don't, don't worry about the women, man. <laughs> Do not worry about the women. Do not get caught up in the chase, man. And I say that just because 
a lot of, I you know, I, 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 even as a musician, as a producer, like you realize how much like you, everything you, a lot of music music is made for women, just for them for their enjoyment and and, and what they do about. It. So I think it's funny how like, um, you know, a lot of men or in general, like we just do a lot of things just to kind of feel like we got the attention of women or like we we're secure with a certain vibe that we give off. But I had this really good conversation with my, with my boy, and we we always said, man, when you when you had moments in your life where you kind of like practice either abstinence or like straight focus on like I, I need to do this goal or figure out this thing in life, and just, just like just focus on that. As for a certain period of time, man, it really like it kind of makes you even invincible because you have no distractions. You just kind of like, damn, I, I really want this or what I need. So just like just prioritize, man. That's all I would say to myself as eighteen. Like just prioritize certain things like those things will come in time but just focus on your goal and focus on like what you what is really important in the long run and we all kind of know what that is but just just things that kind of get away so that's what i would say to myself ladies and gentlemen Dahi, thank you so much for joining us man thank you i appreciate you guys yeah we appreciate you bro good looking thank you Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.